Welcome to Tag Up with LT. If you've landed here today, it is by no mistake. I take on a different approach to mentoring, and I'm obsessed with the topics of business, life enhancements, health, wellness to help navigate the messy and the magical of this thing called life. My mission is to be your personal curator of connection by serving you with inspiration, education, and having some fun along the way. I'm your host, LT. My podcast guest today is Lynn Galadner, who is the Chief Creative Officer at Your People. Lynn owns and operates a public relations and marketing firm where she services schools, universities, and out-of-the-box entrepreneurs. When working with clients, her formula is simple to business. Higher purpose plus storytelling plus relationships. Lynn started writing as a small child as a way for her to make meaning in the mundane through words, and that curiosity led her to her purpose. She believes that we all have many purposes in life, and most of us are very ordinary people with extraordinary moments. Lynn is an awesome storyteller herself, which you'll totally hear in our episode, but what impresses me most about Lynn is her hustle, drive, and persistence that always pays off in the end. Her first love is writing, and she's written and published eight books to date. I had such a blast recording with Lynn and quite frankly, just felt honored that she was even on my podcast. She just started her own writer's community and I hope to be a student of hers one day myself. I like to call this episode, Make Meaning in Marketing. Enjoy. Thank you so much for doing my podcast. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. I know. I'm excited to talk to you today. So I was thinking back when I first met you. And I believe I met you at a networking event. Yeah, I think it was Inforum. I think it was Inforum of Michigan. Yeah. But I've also heard you do a ton of presentations over the years. And I love them. I always love them. The one thing, I know we connected last summer as well in your master class, your book writing class. Yep. And I loved your hook that you had to that. Yeah. It, it was like... You write a page a day. If you write a page a day... It's a book a year. And a book a year. Yep. And a page is like 275 words. Not yeah. hard to do. You say that because you're a writer. It's not hard to write 275 <laughs> words. Believe me, I'll sit down and like whip it off in 10 minutes and it's 500 words. That's two pages. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, you can do it. Book a year. I love it. But today we're, we're going to talk about PR, marketing, marketing strategies. I am not an expert in this area. So I'm looking forward to just kind of learning and getting educated by you and all the fantastic things you do in your organization. Awesome. Um, so I guess to kind of just set the baseline and level set things, what is your definition of marketing or public relations? Yeah. So when I left journalism and transitioned into my company in 2007, I guess it was public relations and, you know, journalists are like, oh, I've crossed over to the dark side. So I was like really resistant for a while. I ended up falling in love with it. I really like studied it to sort of understand what I was doing, but I still bring that journalistic approach, that storytelling focus. But public relations is relationships with key publics and the publics are your audiences. Mm -hmm. So it's very relationship focused. It's about building a connection. Marketing Public relations falls into marketing, but marketing is a bigger lens. And so it's, you know, how are we going to engage with the marketplace? And that is people, that is organizations, that's being places. 
It could be events. I mean, there's a lot of blurring of lines, I think. So I don't I don't really know which is which some days. I feel like it's all the same. But that's I love that definition of public relations, relationships with key publics. Mm-hmm. And so what that tells me, and this is how I teach my clients, is that you have to know who your audience is. You can't say that everybody can be my customer because you can't reach everybody. Maybe that's true, but you can't target the whole population of the world. You have to narrowly focus so that you can really relate to them and speak their language and they can see themselves in what you offer. And it really is a relationship. And so at my company, we've always had this formula that really works well for us and our clients, which is that you know, marketing or building your brand, building your revenues depends on a formula of storytelling plus relationships plus higher purpose. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, and really the higher purpose should come first. It's like, why are you doing what you're doing? Right, you right. Know? What is your why? Exactly. Yeah. You know, but um, but that is something that not everybody has identified. You know, maybe they just took a hobby and turned it into a business and now they're, it's growing and they're trying to, you know, make it bigger or whatever it is. A lot of people go into business to make more money than they could if they were employed by someone. Mm-hmm. Um or have the freedom of the schedule, you know? So the higher purpose needs to go beyond that. It needs to be how are you looking to make a difference? How do you want to impact others? How do you want to change the world? And and really thinking big and having a big heart. And if that's not at the core of a, a business or an organization, it's not a fit for us. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody needs PR. Um, not everybody can and should pay a fortune for it. And so I've always liked working with, you know, solopreneurs. Yeah, but, you know, like the one person who puts out their shingle and they're running the whole show. And of course. Their business is them. They can't afford a fortune, but they really need help with this. They can't do it themselves. Mm-hmm. And so in the beginning, I would I didn't charge nearly enough, and I probably still don't, but I, I my rates are a little more reasonable now. But I like helping that that person or that, that idea that's coming up. You know, I think that... PR is little tasks and activities. Marketing is a big picture perspective right. of where do I want to go and what do I want to do and how am I going to get there? Mm-hmm. So I think that's a long-winded way of answering your question. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. When, when I think of like PR, I can't help but think of a publicist or like a celebrity or athlete that requires somebody to kind of be the voice of their brand, yeah. if you will, not necessarily them speaking, yeah. Yeah. you know? So a lot of people, when they say PR, they really mean get me on TV. And I mean, PR is more than just media relations, which sure. is what that is called. We do media relations. I actually yeah. don't love it, even though I was a journalist for a long time, mm-hmm. because it's very sexy to be on TV or in the paper or magazine or on the radio or something or on a podcast or on a p- <laughs> like this. Thanks for the PR, you know. Um, but My it, pleasure. Thank like, you for the PR. <laughs> See, I'm going to learn something to elevate this to the next level. Mutual admiration society. <laughs> That's what it is. Mutual benefit, you know. But the truth is, the sad truth is that it's the least likely way you're going to build business. So you might be on TV and that's very cool and it adds credibility and it definitely gets your brand out there. Sure. But how likely is someone to buy what you have to offer just because they saw you on TV. Right. They want validation from a lot of directions. Mm-hmm. And so you have to do social media. You have to have a great website. You have to send out emails. You have to do word of mouth marketing. All of these things come together. And then the TV segment is like, oh, that person's really hot. That's great. They're, they're on fire. You sure. know? But I see that they're everywhere. And so they, that seems credible to me. And then the most likely way that you engage with someone is because somebody you trust recommends them. That word of mouth yes. is the most powerful marketing. So, but all the other aspects really build it up to support that. That's really what you need. And those relationships, again, that's really important. That's good. So prior, prior to starting your your business, what, about 14 years ago now, yeah. you were an entrepreneur yourself, a writer. You've published eight books, yep. which is incredible. Yeah, 
paint. You know, how did you really find your passion or your purpose? You know, you talk about this higher purpose and stuff. Where did that come from? Where did that stem from for you? So I think that's it's an interesting question because I, I think I help people find their voice and their purpose because yeah. I've always pondered this question. Yeah, because you've you know? given presentations on it as well, like yes. finding your why. Yes. I've seen you, and I love that presentation. It's yeah. so good. Well, I, I mean, it's important to ask these questions. I think that we have a lot of purposes in our lives. For me, um, writing and really was like the path to make sense of the world. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing it since I was a little kid. And it was how I could show compassion and concern for people. I, I think things through when I can write them. I'm right. never good at the moment. Yeah. Like if you ask me, you know, for something witty right now, it probably will take me an hour to do right. it. But if I can write something out and really think it through, I can put beautiful words together. And so I was a journalist for a long time, but I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. Did you? Yeah. Oh, my, cool. My dad was in the scrap metal industry and he started a business when I was 10. My mom was a stay-at-home mom and I had two younger siblings. And she encouraged him and said, you're always going to regret it if you don't try And he just went out on his own, and that was a big deal. And he was very successful. And so I really saw from both of them that the sky is the limit if you're willing to put the effort in. Mm -hmm. So in 1998, I went freelance from journalism. I had lived in New York and in Washington. Cool. Came back to Detroit, and I was working for magazines and newspapers paying, like, very little. And so I wanted to freelance, and the newspaper I worked for said, no, you can't freelance. It's a conflict of interest, which it wasn't. And I said, okay, and I went out on my own. And I actually negotiated taking the section that I was working on with me, so they paid me, and because I just wanted the possibility. And my writing career was driven by this curiosity of how, what I used to say, how people make meaning in the mundane. Mm-hmm. So, like, most of us are very ordinary people with extraordinary moments. And I've yeah, always... Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. I literally, like, literally just got a <laughs> chill. Aw. Well, it's, it's really the truth. If we think about it, most of us will never be celebrities. We'll never be multimillionaires or Pulitzer Prize winners or whatever it is. Sure. But, well, happiness, satisfaction, those are yeah. all within reach. Mm-hmm. And we each have different definitions of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so I went on this quest that I'm still on about how people find meaning in the mundane. And so I would interview people for magazine articles, newspaper articles, with that curiosity really driving the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is my purpose, is to try to figure out how we can all leave our mark, you know, make a difference in a way that's so meaningful to us and uniquely us. So I did that for a long time, and then I started my business really out of survival, (laughs) like survival (laughs) mode, because journalism was changing. I was getting divorced. My kids were tiny. And um, my ex-husband is a musician, so I'm like, okay, got to feed the kids. How am I going to do that? Um, <laughs> and so, and then the economy tanked in 07, 08, like perfect storm. And so uh-huh. I'm like, I'm going to start a business and hopefully people will pay me. And, you know, so I just, I really was like, what can I do? What can I offer that people need where I'm going to get paid for it? Because journalism was drying up. And so, I um, mean, I was really successful as a journalist, but I, I, sa- I started to think about, you know, what business is needed. And we have this economy where we are um, so overpopulated by stuff and programs and services, we don't really need most of it. Right. So how does an organization differentiate itself? Well, at the same time, Facebook was becoming a big thing. It's like just the rise of social media. Mm -hmm. And so I was really looking at it and being curious and seeing that we had this illusion of connection, but we were actually lonelier than ever. And so here I put all that together and I said, well, I'm I'm a great communicator. It's what I do. I can help you really put yourself out there in an articulate way and get exposure for you. 
And if you, as an organization, an entrepreneur, whatever, can authentically care about your clients, they need that. They're feeling alone. So then they might reward you with loyalty mm-hmm. and repeat business. And mm-hmm. it's just, it feeds itself. And so my first client was Hiller's Markets. I don't know if you remember yeah. the grocery uh-huh. chain. I did a lot of food writing. Wasn't it bought out by Kroger? Yeah. 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 So, um, so I, I went to Jim Hiller and I said, I think I can help you. We you, you went and approached him? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I was really I persistent that. too. <laughs> You're such a hustler. I love it. You really are. I just, I'm just like, yeah, he hasn't responded. I'll try again. And it was like, and it was really funny too, because, um, so, you know, I come from a Jewish background and Uh he also is Jewish and he told me later, um, (laughs) there's this old adage that if somebody wants to convert to Judaism, the rabbi is supposed to turn them away three times before saying yes. I saw that in the Sex and City episode. Yes. Yes. With Charlotte. So apparently I went to Hiller's like three times before Jim had a meeting (laughs) with me. And he, he said that that was like the purposeful thing. Like, okay, Stop. it was the third time. I feel like I need to meet with you then and see what you're all about. And he actually had his, um, his PR company in the meeting because oh he was God. not thinking that I was, you know. Yeah. And then he, as soon as we left, like I was in the parking lot. I'm like, oh, you already hired a firm, whatever. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And, um, and my phone rang and he's like, I'm so sorry. Can you come back in and we can meet just one-on-one? And we worked together for a number of years and it was wow. phenomenal and he's still a good friend. Oh, that's so cool. So yeah, it was just like, I just believed I could do something that would help him. And then in doing so, it would help me. And I just kind of persisted until it paid off and it did. And that's just been the story of the business. Thank Are you. mentors important to you? They have been. I've yeah. had amazing mentors. And and it beca- it comes out of me, again, being persistent. But very grateful. Like, I'm a big fan of um, the handwritten thank you note, sending gifts to show gratitude, um, you know, always paying for time, which they don't often accept. But I've learned from so many people, and they've become really good friends. You know, like one of my mentors who's a very close friend now is Paul Saginaw, one of the founders of Zingerman's. Mm -hmm. And, oh um, my God, I love Zingerman's. And I interviewed him for an article, Those and then scones. I. Oh my God, the whole thing, the deli, <laughs> so the good. like everything, you know, they're so just good. a brilliant business. And I, I interviewed him for an article in like I think it was two thousand six or seven or something. And then I was trying to form this business, and I called him, and I'm like, Hey, can I meet with you? I really want your advice. And he's like, Sure. And and to give credit to the mentors I have. They're open to being approached. Yeah. Like he said, yes, I'll meet with you. I mean, who was I for him to meet with? You know? Yeah. So I went to Ann Arbor. I sat down with him. I said, here's my business idea, which was a precursor to my business. And he was really nice. And he's like, it's a great idea, but I don't think I'm going to invest in it. And I'm like, okay. And, you know, like, but he invited me then to take part in something called the e-club, which he used to offer for Zingerman's employees who wanted to start their own business. Oh. So Zingerman's has grown because some of their employees have spun off businesses that the partners like Paul and Ari, they invest in and they become partners together. So oh. it's become this Zingerman's community of businesses. Very cool. I didn't think I knew that. So cool. Huh. So cool. And so they offered an e-club, Entrepreneurs Club, which was a free, I think, six-session course where they teach you how to how to build a business. And wow. so there's an accountant who comes in, an insurance guy, a lawyer. Um, you work with Ari Weinzweig, the other partner who was the founder with Paul, about um, your business plan and your mission and vision and really trying to figure out the, like the, I guess the validity of, of your idea. Like, yeah. will this work? And he invited me to take part. So I was not an employee. I had, I was going through a divorce. I had these three little kids and I drove to Ann Arbor whenever he had a session. It was so helpful. Yeah. And he's to this day, that was in the night, you know, 2006 or seven, he is still a really good friend That's and, and incredible. a mentor. And I've, I've done work for him and I've, you know, he's done work for me and it's, 
it's amazing. I know that the marketing world is changing. I mean, I mean, it, how yeah. do you how do you keep up with everything in terms of tools or resources or or any of that? It's like every day there's something new. I think. How do you keep your pulse on everything? Because <laughs> I mean, like you said, it's like crazy. Well, here's the thing: most most clients shouldn't be early adopters on new social media platforms, for example, mm-hmm. until they know that it's a fit for them. So right. I never feel like, and I work with a lot of schools and universities these days, I never feel like they should be mm. the ones who are like playing around with some new platform. You know, like like working at a university, like I, I have some university clients and they're like, should we be on TikTok? And I'm like, <laughs> do you know how much my teenage kids who are looking at colleges think it's ridiculous <laughs> when like the president of the university is doing some weird TikTok, you know? Right. So like maybe it's cool that you want to have your finger on the pulse. Maybe you should vet it for your audience before you like jump in and they say like, this is ridiculous. I'm never going there. You know? So I, I think like that to me is a little bit of, of breathing space because I don't have to always know the latest thing. Um, and also I'm not just selling social media services. Yeah, so like I'm sure. helping people just like get on Facebook or get on Instagram or deep in their connection to LinkedIn or something. But I feel like, you know, we always have to be asking questions about, you know, is this worthwhile is this going to get us where we need to go? And marketing needs to be driven by your mission. Mm-hmm. So that has to be crystal clear. Okay. And by your business goals. Okay. So you have to know what you want to achieve. Sure. And then you back end into it and you plan it out so that you can get there. And so, you know, like when I work with schools and they need more enrollments, I mean, is social media really where they should be to, to have somebody pay for private tuition for their kids? No. No. You know, so that they want to be there and have a presence, but it's very low on the ladder. You know, so I think I think that's important. One thing I just read recently, a really interesting article, and as a former journalist, it sort of made me a little sad, but, um, you know, a lot of the newspapers now have paywalls so that you can't really read the articles yes, unless you pay. Yes, I've noticed that. So that the question was, in PR circles, is it worth it still for your clients to get them in the paper if nobody can read that article unless exactly. they pay for it. So is that even good exposure? So is it better than to be on a podcast? Or, you know, like, like what is it? Because even even daytime TV, which I love getting clients on TV, and we have some wonderful um, TV producers and anchors in Detroit here who are so amazing to work with. But who's watching daytime TV? Like, everybody's streaming everything. So, I mean, frankly, they do a great job of putting it online and, sure. you know, social. And so, I mean... Journalists have to really juggle a lot of balls right now. But um, but I feel like the paywall does open a really big question. Is it worth it to pitch these newspapers? Mm-hmm. Which makes me really sad. Right. You know? But it's it's important to talk about it and to, to think about what's really of value for your client. Mary Ruth Organics is my go-to supplement I use every single day. I'm obsessed with this brand. They have so many products to choose from for so many different age groups And they're highly sourced ingredients. They're plant-based, they're vegan, they're non-GMO, and they're just fantastic. I personally use the liquid probiotic to manage my gut health. If you know, you know. And I also use the morning multivitamin raspberry flavor, which is delicious. So I use these two in tandem to really ensure that I'm getting all of my vitamins and minerals for the day. So if you go to my website, tagupwithlt.com, click on my quick links, there you'll find my affiliate link to get 15% off your first order. As a journalist, what newspapers or magazines did you work for? I'm curious. 
Yeah, so in New York, I worked for a trade newspaper um, in a, <laughs> a really... I'm like, just curious. Yeah, it was no, called, no, This is like a little sideways, but I'm just like, oh. No, no, it's okay. So it's funny because my dad was in the scrap metal industry. I sent out um, cover letters and resumes to, I think it was 100 publications my senior year of college. I got 97 rejections and three interviews. <laughs> and one of them was at American Metal Market, which was a daily newspaper for the metals and mining industry. And it was in New York. Totally your passion. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The things I could tell you about nickel and cobalt and ferroalloys. Oh, my God. You're, you're falling asleep now, right? But, um, but I went to New York for the interview, and I talked my way into that job. I said, well, I grew up at the dinner table talking about metals and mining. Yeah. And yeah. I well, your dad. Yeah, yeah, but I tuned him out my whole life. Okay. So I'm like, yeah, I can bullshit my way through this. And, you know. Um, and Fake I, it till you make it type right, of. Right, right. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I have to say, I actually did a great job at that job. But You're it was st- like, what am I writing about, you know? But oh, like, my yeah. God, that's hilarious. And then um, I went. I was transferred to the Capitol Hill Bureau. So I did, like, legislation oh, type stuff. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it was yeah. cool. And then in D.C., I, um, I also worked at a Jewish newspaper, the Washington Jewish Week, which is – I mean, it's just like any main newspaper. Just yeah. the focus is, you know, the Jewish community. Sure, sure. Um, so that was really fun. That was domestic politics and how it related to the Jewish community yeah. and stuff. And okay. they sent me to Israel for the first time. That's and cool. That was awesome. Cha-ching. Yeah. That's fun. It was great. And uh, it was funny. They sent me on a singles mission. So it was like, you know, a trip for singles, but I was supposed to write about it. And I'm like, okay, who are the cute guys? <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, so that was cool. And then I came back to Detroit. And I, um, I worked at the Jewish News here, and then okay. I left, and I went. For, I started a section for them for twenty somethings. It okay. was called the Scene, and cool. I was in my twenties then. And I took it freelance in nineteen ninety eight, um, and I continued to do it. It was about a ten page section every week. Yeah, and I did it as like a freelance editor um, for about a year while I built up my freelance career. And then I, I wrote for magazines and newspapers around the country. I had a weekly column in the Detroit News for about seven years, mm. and I wrote for the Free Press and Cranes and Chicago Tribune. Wow. And, Midwest Living, Savour, Better Homes and Gardens, um, you know, Women's Day, like Seventeen Magazine. I wrote for a lot of different publications. Lynn, that's incredible. It was so much fun. Yeah. And uh, it was great. Yeah. What is your opinion about these influencers or bloggers now in the world? It's an interesting question. Um, influencers can have a huge impact on a brand. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think about it, especially like my university clients, if they pay influencers to represent like the dorms or, the, you know, the athletic leagues or whatever. Do they do that? Some do. Really? Yeah, some Interesting. do. And they pay a lot. But I feel a little weird about it because I, I just feel like people should post about a university because they love it and they love being there, not because they're paid to. So influencers are paid. They're paid big money. They have a lot of reach. Um, I think it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times when you see somebody has like thousands and thousands of followers on Instagram, you have to look at the quality of the followers. And a lot of them they've paid for Mm. or it's just total spam. There's the illusion that they're very well followed. Really, the real people who interact with that brand are very few. Um, So I don't work with influencers. I have friends who do, colleagues who do. It can make a difference for a brand. But again, it's a lot of effort to hype you up when I feel that the lasting impact to a business or a brand comes from being real Mm -hmm. and doing the slow climb Mm -hmm. and really just doing your best work every day. And that's people are going going to recommend you, going to talk about you. That to me is more lasting. The word of mouth. Yeah, for sure. I agree. As far as blogging. 
I love blogging. And for a long time, I blogged every day just because I love writing and yeah. stuff. It's a great tool, first and foremost, for SEO, search engine optimization. So mm -hmm. it just adds more content to your website. Oh, gotcha. That's the priority. So for the blogging. algorithm can then pick up what those keywords might be. Well, not only or... that, it's so the spiders and crawlers on Google and on the search engines, they want to see that you have an active site. One of the ways they do that is by having regular content uploaded on a, on a frequent basis. On a website, got it. And it's authentic. So it blends, it, they can tell that it, it like goes with what your theme of your website is. So a blog can do that for you. Mm -hmm. But it has to be authentic. You can't stack the keywords. You have to write about things that, that align with all the rest of the content on your site. Of course. And in a way that is relatable and human and where, again, people can see themselves in what you do. The other reason is it builds thought leadership. And so it's a great thing for like a CEO to have a blog or a director of marketing or whatever, mm -hmm. so that the brand becomes humanized. Mm -hmm. And you really start to see the people behind the brand because people do business with people. And so the blog can do that for you. It can also, you know, if you're going to put names on it and somebody from a conference is looking for a speaker and that expertise and there's they start Googling and your blog comes up, well, then here you get another opportunity. Or some people have gotten book deals because they blog, you know. So um, thought leadership is the number two reason. But it's really about... It's really about SEO first, thought leadership second, and a blog goes nowhere if you don't promote it. Mm -hmm. So you've got to share it on social. You've got to put it in your e-blast. You've got to make sure you have traffic coming to it. Otherwise, it's a wasted effort. Yeah. What advice would you have for someone getting in this type of work? Are not sure. Maybe they want to study it. Maybe they don't want to study it. But So marketing is something that um, you have to be creative and you have to be able to, to juggle. So when I have interns come to my company... Um, Which I love that you, you have interns. That's amazing. <laughs> I have some phenomenal interns. That's cool. And I'll give a shout out to St. Olaf College because I've had a bunch of interns from there the past year and they've been phenomenal and amazing. But, you know, I think they like this, but it also can be overwhelming. There's a lot of different projects all at once. Okay. And that's typical in marketing. You may get a job where all you do is social media for like three clients or something, or you might just work on marketing plans. In my company, because we're small, we do everything. And you wear so, all the hats. Yeah. yeah. So, so you know, what I try to do when I have multiple interns is see where their interests are and give them opportunities to have some fun in that that project area. Yeah, so that's like, smart. Tasks yeah. to talent. Right. Yeah. So, like, one person really wanted to do research and help build marketing plans. Another one wanted to edit the podcast. I'm like, great, you can do that. That's in an internship that's a finite period of time, and it's for the purpose of learning and gaining experience and, and seeing if this is a fit for you as a career. If you're starting out in this in this field, I mean, I think anybody should expect, no matter what the field is, that you're going to do things you love and you're going to do things that are tedious and that you hate. Totally. And that is part of any job. I agree. And so there's no perfect career. It's really finding your niche and and really deepening that and becoming an expert in an area and, and doing it well. And But I think in today's age with everything digital, everything changing so much, you have got to be really flexible and willing to change. Mm -hmm. You know, so anybody who's like, I'm only going to write for a print newspaper is probably not finding much work. But if you can, you know, write online and you can share on social and you can, you know, really evolve who you are and what you do and take your skills and apply them to whatever is new, you're going to do well. You know, like everything I do in my business now really did not exist when I was in college. So I went to school. Oh, interesting. I mean, none of it. So I went yeah. to school for... Um, journalism and communications. And so it was writing for magazines and newspapers, 
Some people studied radio or TV. That was it. Mm-hmm. There was no such thing as a podcast. Um, there was no social media. Okay. Right. <laughs> you know, there was dial up modem. I right. mean, it was like, you know, and so um, analog I mean, roaming. You're, you're calling in your stories. Like there was, I don't even know if there was a fax at the time. There might have been. I mean, you know. Lynn, you're dating yourself here. I, I, hey, I just turned 50 and I'm proud of it. I own it. And you're okay. Beautiful. Thank you. 50s is the new 40. Babe. 50 rocks. Yeah. I mean, I am like at the top of my game and it's just getting better. That's so awesome. I love it. Yeah. yeah. What are you most proud of in your career? I am pretty proud of my books that I've eight books published is amazing. Um, I'm two of them are poetry collections. You know, I love that. I just, yeah. you know, and I, and I think seven of the eight were published by publishers. One of them I self-published as like a product to sell through my company, but seven of them, somebody else chose to publish. And I still think that's a really big deal. Yeah, it is. You know, I don't know. I think I'm really proud that I have worked for myself for um, 23 years. I, every year I make more money than the year before, and it's all on my time. I mean, it hasn't been perfect. There have been times that I lose a client and, and I feel bad about that, times that I've made mistakes, you know, for sure. But, you know, it's it's just been such a great journey, and um, my life is really my own. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, when my kids were little, and frankly— it's got to be freeing I mean, in it a is. lot of ways. You know, yeah. it is. I mean, now being a mom, I was really excited to become a mom and I wanted to be there. So I've always sort of flowed my work around my kids. And I still do. As they're going off to college now, you know, I want to I want to go visit them. So I don't need to ask someone permission mm-hmm. to take off and visit someone in university, you mm-hmm. know, or go to my, my high school son's soccer game. Yeah, I, I feel really good about that. I, yeah. I feel really fortunate and, and proud of that. Any career derailers you've had over the last 25 years that you've learned some really hard lessons? Well, I will say, I mean, when I pivoted from journalism to uh, marketing and PR, you know, that was a scary time. Sure. I mean, I decided to get divorced when my kids were one, three, and five, and um, the economy was tanking. And uh, journalism, I mean, magazines that I wrote for all the time were closing up because journalism was changing so much. And it was, it was scary, you know, and I had this idea for a business and I thought, I mean, I had several ideas before this one and this is the one I actually launched, but, um, you know, I thought, well, what if nobody becomes a client? You know, what if I'm just, I don't know what I'm talking about, you know? And I sat down one day and I thought, okay, what is the worst thing that happens? And I come from a very supportive family and I thought about how, okay, if I don't have any clients and I have no income and I lose my house. I can move in with my parents with my three kids. Now, mm-hmm. I was 37 years old. wasn't what I wanted to do because mm-hmm. I bought my first house when I was 27 and single. Mm-hmm. And so I've been very independent for a long time. But I thought, okay, I'm not going to be on the street. I'm not going to have to go to a shelter with my kids. Mm-hmm. So the worst case scenario is not the worst thing in the world. But And I can live with it, but I don't want that. So let, that motivated me. Gotcha. So whenever I've lost a client or, you know, I mean, even COVID, like when that, when that happened, I was like, oh my God, you know, is anybody going to have any money to pay me? Are they going to have any customers? Mm-hmm. I lost two clients mm-hmm. because they had only in-person businesses and they were really in dire straits. One had been with me for eight years. Oh, wow. And so I knew that I did a good job for him and I just felt bad that he, I mean, he couldn't open back up until yeah. recently, but you know, it turned out to be my best year. So at the time when that, when, when it was just starting, you know, I had, I was trying out a full-time employee, like in the probationary period. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to halt that. So I felt badly, but I, you know, I just wasn't sure that I could you know, have her because mm-hmm. um, everybody else is a contractor. And I didn't know what would happen with the clients. So my husband and I just slashed our budget, which was easy because there were no activities. 
for the kids. There were no restaurants to go to. You mm-hmm. know, the movie theaters were closed. It was fine. But we just sort of looked and said, what can we do? And then I ended up having my best year. So, I mean, you just, it can be a motivator sometimes. What advice would you tell your younger self maybe 20 years ago? So I love this question because I feel like I can really, I can really stand and say this now. I would say, be who you are. And if somebody tells you you're too much, tell them to fuck off. Now, <laughs> now, now I got to mark the po- podcast explicit. That's all right. <laughs> um, no, I'll, so I would say, you know, if somebody tells you you're too much, they're not somebody you want in your life. And, um, and don't be silenced because you, you, you feel things and you do things and you're strong. Being a strong woman is a phenomenal thing. And we're always taught to be quieter and, and not so obtrusive and, you know, and I'm sick of that. And I, I am who I am. And if I'm too much for you, then, then we're not going to work. And that's what I would say. Just, and I would also say- I love that advice. Yeah. I mean, I wish I, wish I had heard it back then. But I would also say, write your heart out. You know, like I am just getting back to my writing now from the pandemic, which was really helpful for that, actually. Sure. That's always been my first love. And I've put it on the back burner because I've been trying to earn a living. And sometimes you don't need to earn as much as you think you do. Sometimes you have enough and then you can balance that with what you love to do. I was chasing the money for a long time. And so, um, and that was out of like, you know, anxiety or, you know, just want to make sure everybody's okay, mm-hmm. which is fine. But um, well, you're providing for your family as well. Yeah. Small children. Yeah. But, you know, I can make different decisions and have a simpler life and still be writing. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I'm getting back to it, but I wish I hadn't taken as much of a hiatus as I did. Yeah. Do you journal every day? I don't, no? I don't journal. You don't journal. Um, you just write. I journal occasionally. Yeah. Like I'll have journals around the house and sometimes I'll jot things or when I'm traveling, I'll journal. But um, I, I do, since the pandemic, I've been writing every single day. You have like a morning ritual. You get up and you I just do. start writing. Yep. Light so, a candle or something. Um, or incense or incense, something. Yeah. I have some music playing. So usually it was at like 7 a.m. I would just, you know, I had to wake up without an alarm because I didn't have anywhere to go. Um, <laughs> and I would write first and then I would get into client work. And then I got super busy over the past six months. And that slipped a little bit. And um, now I'm back to actually writing from 7 to 9 every day. Cool. And it's just great. And so I don't have any client meetings till after that. I, I make my day how I want it to be as opposed to serving everybody else. That's another piece of advice is that um, you definitely want to serve your clients. There's no question. Of course. But you put them in a container because they can't overrun your life. And I, sometimes I've let that happen. So yeah. I have to really maintain that balance. So what's next for you, Lynn? What do you got on the docket? Any exciting projects coming up? Well, the writing is just consuming me. Yeah. But I will say this. I've been teaching um, some courses through writingworkshops.com. You know, I've taught at the college level for a long time, and this is – a course that I that I created that I love called Finding Your Voice at Midlife. And um, it's a writing workshop. It's a six-week class. And then it was so successful the first round. And now I'm doing a part two and we're offering more sessions. Cool. And uh, these writers want to keep writing with me. And I'm really sensitive to affordability because a lot of times writers just don't have extra money to spend on this. So um, in September of 2021, I'm launching the Writers Community, mm. um, which is a subscription uh, membership. You can join, and you'll get uh, weekly writing prompts, community discussion forums. You can submit your writing, live co-working, live hot seat coaching, and an option for some one-on-one consulting as well. And so um, that's in process right now, and I'm really excited about it. Where can people find you and connect, Lynn? I'm everywhere. So <laughs> I have three websites, yourppl.com. The podcast lives at makemeaning.org. 
And then there's lynngaladner.com, which is right now getting revised, and it's going to launch by the end of the summer, so that all three will have the writer's community on it, so you can find it. All my marketing packages and everything are on yourppl.com, but I'm also on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. My podcast, you can find anywhere that you listen to podcasts. It's yeah. the Make Meaning Podcast. I love your um, podcast. I've listened to a couple episodes. Thank there's, you. there's a great one of her and her husband <laughs> <laughs> that are talking about the pandemic and really how they've actually grown more closer together through it all. Yeah. And who else was in that episode with us? Oh, a divorce uh, attorney, <laughs> which was epic. Yeah, she's like one of my best friends and a client of mine. And so I thought, what a cool thing. Like we'll have sort of this balance of like how close we've gotten, but like we don't want to be too like, you know, mushy on yeah. the air. So we'll balance it with her talking about like how did the pandemic affect divorce? And there are a lot of marriages that didn't grow closer. Right. So exactly. you know, how, how was that impacted? But yeah, it was it was a fun episode. To it was fun. I mean, but it was cool to see your dynamic in terms of like your partnership and teamwork that you guys have. But, you know, yeah. you still get annoyed and hate each other at times as oh, well. Oh, God, yes. But oh, you God. always <laughs> choose love. Yes. Right? You yeah. choose love and that's, you know, how you guys led. So I liked it. That's another piece of advice I'd give to my younger self and anybody but, listening is that love is a choice that it you is. make every single day. It really is. And so you have to wake up in the morning and be like, I choose to be in this relationship and I choose this person as they are. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are things that drive me crazy about my husband. Totally. I mean, maybe he's about me. And vice I versa. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm perfect. I don't know, <laughs> oh, right? On, I know. I know. No one's not. No one's perfect. <laughs> Dan, if you're listening, you know, just, you know, stop rolling I your eyes. I love you, honey. <laughs> but, um, but no, I mean, I have, this is my second marriage. And yeah. I realized probably five years in, like, I have to make this choice today and then every day. Yeah. I mean, you got to lean into that. Mm -hmm. So it's hard, yes. you know? Yes. But yeah. if you have that as your intention, you know, totally. it, it'll be okay. Yeah. You look for the good and then you find it. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much Aww. for coming on my podcast. I appreciate it, Lynn. You're the best. I love you. Oh, thank you so much, Laura. This was amazing. Yes. Thank you for having me. And then, you know, maybe we can do a crossover at some point. Absolutely. You know, Let's whenever. get you on Make Meaning. Yeah, Come why on. not? Yes. Hey, crossover <laughs> podcast. I love it. Thanks, Lynn. I am all about convenience and managing my time effectively. But one thing that I personally use is the Instacart app because it legitimately has all of my favorite local and national retailers at my fingertips. So how it works is that a personal shopper will get all of your groceries, your household essentials, pet supplies, office supplies, whatever you might need. And you can either go pick up the items yourself or you get delivery via Instacart in as fast as two hours. Now, of course, pending where you live in the world, delivery is subject to availability and may not be available in your zip code or postcode. But if you go to my website, tagupwithlt.com, click on the quick links, and there you'll find my affiliate link to download the app, create an account, and get free delivery on your first order over $10.